All right, Gracie, great job, honey. Jesus loves us one and all. Great and small. Short and tall. up an offering. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, and praise you for this little body. We thank you and praise you, Lord God, for our freedom that you give us and the freedom you give the children, Lord Jesus. We pray that you would bless each one. Bless us abundantly, Lord God. Bless us in our finances as we give to you and to your kingdom where rust and moth will not devour, but we give eternally. And I thank you, Lord, and I just praise you. For each person here, in Jesus' name, amen? Amen. All right. I don't know how I can follow up that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. God is good. I keep dropping things back here. I keep sliding off my pulpit. Kids, church. Kids, go to church. Thank you, Jesus. I want to just pray over this sermon message a little bit. This is my title of this message. It's called God's Wrath Against Mankind. God's Wrath Against Mankind. Praise the Lord. Father, I just pray for your will to be done here today. I pray for your Holy Spirit to lead us and have your way. And I pray, Lord God, that you would speak through me and to your people, and I pray that our eyes and our ears would be open in our minds, and our hearts would be open for us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A time is coming soon when God's wrath will be poured out on mankind. When I hear of everything going on in the world, None of us, I don't think, will deny that. That it's the beginning of birth pains. Like Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 through 6, it says, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. The end is still to come. And I believe we're close to the end. We're in the birthplace, but what happens after all the birth pains? Then the end comes. Right? Isn't that what Jesus just said? The end. Such things must happen, but the end still comes. 
Church, we are approaching the end. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for Jesus? Are you ready to see the white horse riding on the clouds? Is your family ready? Are your children ready? Are your grandchildren ready? Are your friends ready? Jesus told us the end is still to come. There are powers out there right now and authorities that are working against you. Do you want to know why? Because they know the scripture. The devil knows the scripture probably better than all of us here. He's only been around for 6,000 years. And how many years was he in heaven? Who knows that answer? I don't. God knows it. We are approaching the end. The devil knows it. And he's working overtime to destroy you. Just like we saw Ephraim grab a hold of that foothold of Jackson. The devil wants nothing more to get a foothold on you. Because he does not want you where you are. He does not want you up there worshiping and praising and singing songs to God. He would rather keep you home in bed. He does not want you gathering here together in this little body of Christ where there's unity and power. He would rather keep you home and separated from the flock. There is power There is power in numbers. There is strength in numbers. And it is important that we keep gathering together to build each other up, to be in unity. The attacks on Christians are getting stronger. The attacks on Christians are getting longer. And they're getting more severe. And they're more wearing. Meaning that they're wearing you down. Tiring you out. And we have to be strong in these days in order to stand. We have to stay together in unity in order to fight off the enemy. We have to be strong. You see, I believe the greatest revival is yet to come. It is not here yet, but it's coming. And it's coming soon. And that's another reason why the enemy is ramping things up. You know, this morning I was reading in Romans chapter 1. It's the title of my sermon. It's in chapter 1, verse 18. And the title of this section in the Bible is God's Wrath Against Mankind. But I want you to listen to this. You know, my wife and I, we were talking about the Bible the other day. And I was telling her, I said, you know what? 
Back in like the 1700s, the 1600s, even the 1800s, even the early 1900s, people had a hard time truly understanding the prophecies of the Bible. But you know what's so interesting? Is that now, in the 21st century, 2020, it's pretty darn clear, isn't it? The Bible is pretty darn clear. You know, the mysteries that they thought of back then, they couldn't understand because they couldn't see it unfolding. They didn't understand it because it wasn't happening in their day. But I'm telling you, the Bible is alive, and it's happening, and you can see it, and you can clearly understand it in our generation. That's another reason why the end is coming, because we can understand it. I heard uh, years ago somebody say, well, when all the churches start preaching on Revelation, then you know the end is coming because there will be an understanding on the book of Revelation that has never been understood before. And there's an understanding now on the mysteries of God that have never been understood before in time because they couldn't see how God was going to unfold things. Only God knows. He's got his plan and he's working it. And he understands it clearly. And he knows that this is a generation that understands his word. It says here in chapter 1, verse 18, that the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppose the truth by their wickedness who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Think about that. I mean, just that's one first sentence on verse 18. Think of all the wicked men who are suppressing the truth, that are not telling the truth, that are holding back on the truth. Think about all of these intellectual people that know the truth, they know that there is no way that this earth could have been created unless it was created by God. There's no way that life could have been made if it wasn't made by a creator. There is no way that the universe could even function and work if it wasn't created by a creator. And they know this, but yet they are suppressing the truth. And it's wicked. Since what they know about God is plain to them. Because God has made plain to them. For since the creation of the Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. And they've been understood. But what has been made? 
any excuse. So that without excuse. Darwinism, you need to get rid of it. Kick it out of the door, it's garbage. And I'm going to tell you where all life comes from. The devil. Simple. You need to get rid of Darwinism. Garbage. It's junk. Don't believe in it. You need to get rid of the Big Bang Theory. It's garbage. It's junk. These are all false teachings by teachers that know the truth. The Bible says it clearly that God made it clear for every man to understand. Denying the power of God. That's all it is. It's rebellion. It's rebelliousness. If that's a word. It's a rebellion against God. It's a rebellion against creation. It's a lie from the pit of hell and it's from Satan himself. And I'm going to tell you, it's being taught around the world through all of our to all of our children, to all of our kids there are so many things that are being taught out there right now that as parents, we've become silent about. We've become silent. They call it the silent majority. Well, it's about time that the silent majority wakes up and says something. Amen? There's a lot of false things out there right now being taught to our children. There's a lot of deception and lies through curriculums and schools. And there's a lot more things that are just starting to come out that they are trying to push on our children and to indoctrinate our kids at such a young age. I'm going to tell you, I think we should pull all our kids out of public school and homeschool them. All of them. I don't think we should support paying taxes to public schools. Is it dead? No? They got me on tape. I don't care. It's true. Why should we support something that is leading our kids astray from our beliefs? It's terrible. Romans 20. gave thanks to him. But they but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal men and birds and animals and reptiles. to sexual impurity for the depraving of their body with one another. They change.
truth of God for a lie. And they worshipped and they served created things rather than the who is forever praised, amen? Boy, does that not sound like today? And, you know, you think about it, that was written 2,000 years ago. Isn't it? That was written 2,000 years ago. But that sounds like today's culture. That sounds like what's going on in the world. And look. Tomorrow, you just read the next chapter. You just read the next paragraph, the next sentence. Because of this, God gave over to the Even women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, their men also Sounds like today. Furthermore, since they did not retain the knowledge of God, Sounds like what I see on TV, on the news. Ruthlessness. Evil. Strife, deceit, and malice. Boy, that sounds like this generation. That sounds like what I see going on in these cities. Isn't the Bible amazing? I mean... Paul wrote this. I didn't write this. But this could have been read as a script to today's day. How about that? Not only did continue to do these very things, they approve of the people who practice them. They glorify them. They lift them up. That's pretty scary. Not only do they glorify them and lift them up, but they, they're starting to put people in place of power and authority to push these agendas and to push all this evilness through. That's why it's important that we need to stand up, that the silent majority needs to say something.
it just it reminds me of to, of a of a like a movie script. I mean, you can read this like a movie script almost. You can read this like it's a playbook. You know, this is this is uh, this is just amazing how the Bible really is amazing, and how the Bible is so on point for today. I wanted to read with you now. I want to switch you over to John, chapter fifteen. You know, because of all this evil and wickedness that's going on in the world right now, and because of us Christians standing up for righteousness, that the world is going to be against you. Because it doesn't want to know the truth. It's like what we read. They've hardened their hearts to the truth. They're denying it, and they don't want to hear it. They want to put their agenda on you. The world hates the disciples. The world hates you. Period. Think about that. The world hates you. That's what the Bible just tells us there. Chapter, verse, uh, John 15, chapter 18. Verse 18, it says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. The world hates you. You might think that you're getting along with the world and doing great things in the world and everything's going hunky-dory, and you might look great in the world's ways, but in the end, the world leads to destruction. But in the end, the world leads to death. There's only one way that leads to life, and that's through Jesus. Jesus is the only one that truly loves you. And he loves you with an unconditional love that we can't even totally understand. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first, Jesus said. If you belong to the world, it would have loved you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. That is why there are so many things coming against you. That is why the devil is tormenting you. That is why the devil is wearing you down, telling you it's okay to sleep in today. It's okay to skip church. It's okay not to come to prayer meetings. It's okay not to read your word. It's okay that we don't pray. It's okay. But it's not okay. Because that way leads to death. And destruction. And we need to be more than Sunday morning Christians. We need to live it like we mean it. Amen? Through word and deed. In our heart. Changed. Because all the world is going to do is deceive you in thinking that everything is all great and dandy. Until all of a sudden you're on that road and there's many with you that leads to destruction. I don't know, but I don't want to be on that road. And many times I catch myself on that road and I got to say, what am I doing? I got to have a self-check. Got to get off. 
Remember the words I spoke to you? No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obey my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name. For they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. They have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father as well. But this is to fill what is written in the law. They hated me without reason. And if they hated Jesus without reason, they will hate you without reason. Without reason. When the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father... He will testify about me, and you also must testify. Did you hear that? The Holy Spirit is going to testify about Jesus, but you also must testify. I heard that from my senior pastor, Pastor Tom. He said, you must testify about Jesus. You must. You must speak about Jesus. We must testify about Jesus. And you know, this is, a, this is a thing that I know that I need to work on with my own friends and my co-workers, who is my family, and my, and my family. All of them. These are all things that I need to work on myself. I must testify about Jesus. It says it right there. That means I've got to talk about Jesus to my friends, my family. That means I've got to testify about what Jesus did. That you know what? He saved a wretch like me. Just like he saved you. And we must not be afraid. But we must speak out boldly. I must testify about Jesus. If you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you so that you will not go astray. All of this Jesus is telling his disciples so they won't go astray. Because Jesus knows. He knows that the enemy is out there. I mean, what did he tell Peter? He said, told Peter, he said, Peter, the enemy wishes to sift you. But Peter, I'm praying for you. And not just Peter is Jesus praying for, but Jesus is in heaven praying for all of us. He's interceding for each one of us. Just like he interceded for Peter. He's interceding for you on your behalf. What we need to do is train the, our voices. We need to not just train our voices. We need to train our minds. We need to train our eyes and our ears. To hear, to see, and to understand. 
what God is saying for today. It is so important. Because I'm telling you, lives depend on it. Your very life depends on it. All this I have told you so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. You know, when Jesus said that, he knew, because Jesus knows what's going to happen. Look at Paul, for example. Paul was persecuting Christians. Look at, the, look at the church right now. Christians are one of the most num, number one persecuted in the world. Are Christians in the world. But Paul, when he was persecuting Christians, thought he was doing a good thing. Because he thought they were blaspheming against God. Because that's how Paul was brought up and raised. Paul thought that he was doing a service to God. Muslims think that they are doing a service to God when they persecute Christians. They think that they're doing a good thing. And it says here, that they will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this, Jesus says, so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I tell you this so that you will remember that I warned you. There are times coming that are not going to be pretty for Christians. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. But you know, Jesus knew that he was going away. Jesus knew that he was going away. That's why he's telling his disciples now. He's telling them, hey, listen, there's going to be a time in the near future that I'm no longer going to be with you anymore. I'm going to be taken back home to my father's house where I came from. And you need to know some things about what's going to happen to you so that you can be prepared to stand. Because they're going to persecute you like they persecuted me. And when they saw Jesus hanging on the cross, I wonder what they were thinking in their mind if they would remember what they read, what Jesus said to them. I wonder if they were thinking, wow, that's what I got to look forward to. Death on a cross. I got to look forward to seeing an innocent man being killed. I'm telling you, every one of those disciples suffered persecution and were killed. Peter was hung down on a cross. John was boiled in a vat of tar and then did not die, but then was banished to the island of Patmos 
where he wrote the book of Revelation. Many of them were beheaded and killed and tortured because of Jesus. That's why it's important that we got to remain true. We got to remain true to Jesus, true to God, because that's eternity, church. We're talking about eternity here. Forever. In uh, John chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you remain in me and I will remain in you you hear that remain in me and I will remain in you Jesus says No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Listen, if you don't remain in the vine or in the church, you're going to die. That's simple. Just like Jesus just said. If you don't remain in the body of Christ, if you don't remain together, you're going to be if you cut yourself off, what happens to a branch that gets cut off a tree? Pretty soon the leaves wither and die. It doesn't take long. Because there's no life supporting it. Is there? There's no nutrients coming from the roots up that's taking place that's feeding you. You need to be fed. We need to be fed. And if we don't stay fed, then we are withering up, shriveling up. We're dying a slow death. And some are quicker than others. Jesus said, if you remain in me, then I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man, if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I like that sentence. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withered. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. And there, you know, he's talking about not just a little bottle. He's talking about eternity here. He's talking about eternal fire. He's talking about picking up those branches that are separated themselves from God, 
and throwing them into the pig. He's talking about the goats, the sheep and the goats. When he tells around and he looks and he says, depart from me, I never knew you. That's what he's talking about. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, that he lay down his life for his friends. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You do not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. Did you hear that? You do not choose me. God chose you and appointed you. He appointed you to bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. You know, that's the greatest command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater command than love. None. And Jesus loves us so much that he gave his life for us. So that we could be with him in eternity. Amen? I don't know, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of things that I think we all need to get straight with God. We all need to turn to Him and look to Him and listen and open our eyes and ears so that we can hear Him. Because it is life and death out there because the end is still to come and we need to be ready. We need to be ready. We need to have our family ready. I mean, our family and our grandkids are getting older and stronger and they're going to be moving out on their own someday soon. And that's a scary thought, especially in this world we live in today. Because we don't know where God will lead any of us. God can call us right now to go somewhere to preach the gospel in Anywhere. So we have to be obedient. 
obedient to that call. And we have to be able to listen. Be able to discern and know that it's God. devil will try to deceive you because he perceives himself as an angel. Amen? That's why it's important that we remain in the vine. And how we remain in the vine is by remaining in his word, by remaining in prayer, by remaining in gathering together on Sundays and, and worshiping like we just did. Remain in the vine is being fed. Amen. Amen. Let's stand for the blessing. And I'll close. Thank you, Lord. So I'll stand up and raise your Father, I thank you, Lord, and praise you, Lord. I know it was a hard God, that anything that's not of you, that, Lord, you would remove it. And anything that is of you, Lord God, I pray that it would stay in our hearts. And that you would show us. And if there's anything that we need to repent of, Lord God, I pray that you would show us that too. Help us to get right with you. Lord, help me to get right with you. Help this, help, you, help each person here to get right with you, Lord God. And any person that hears, Lord God, so that we can hear you. We need you. It's life and death, Lord Jesus. And, Lord, I just thank you for each person. And, Lord, I pray, Lord God, that you would that Lord, that you would keep them. That, Lord, you would make your face shine upon them and be gracious to them. That, Lord, you would turn here today and that you would give us peace. And, Lord, show us the way of love. Teach us in the way of love. Father us, Lord God. I pray that you would father us, Lord God, as we call out to you. In Jesus' name, amen.